0: Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guest is Noah Shaw, a certified life coach who, in his own words, has been to hell and back several times And he's the author of Stop Thinking Thoughts That Scare You, A Selfless Help Guide of Practical Tools to Eliminate Fear and Anxiety and Live a Life of Abundance. We're going to be talking all about Noah's concept of selfless help, what his writing process is like, how that Instagram algorithm is so good at predicting everything that we're thinking of and showing us the types of content that we want to see, as well as ways that you can practice self-care, why it's so important to be kind with everyone and a lot more. This is a super inspirational episode, so lots of good stuff within it. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can reach out joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast. You can also support the show via the online merch store, goodpeoplecoolthings.com slash shop. Get yourself a hat, a hoodie, a shirt. I don't have a signed jersey from Derek Jeter like Noah does, but Lots of good stuff in there, regardless. So browse that and then sit back and relax for a conversation with Noah. If people don't know who Noah Shaw is, can you give us your elevator pitch? But also, what kind of elevator are we riding on?
1: Riding on the Willy Wonka, well, Wonka Vader. Why not ride on the Wonka Vader? If I get my choice, I want something that goes sideways, go up, go down, go underneath, go in circles. You never know where it's going to go. I'm on the Wonka Vader and I'm a man who has been to hell and back about half a dozen times. And on my most recent trip, after I got back from hell, I realized that I'd put a lot of pain in this world. And it was my job, my mission, my mantra, my destiny to spend the rest of my days on this earth helping other people.
0: And I think that's an interesting concept of having that sort of selfless help in there. So can you talk a little more about that like how you know the turning point of like okay now i need to start helping others
1: a little back just just mild backstory i won't get into like all the dirty details but you know i was where where it really resonated with me the most was i was a cocaine dealer in the 80s and 70s and 80s in new york city and i was a big weed dealer in la in the early 2000s and i've been 12 rehabs, three suicide attempts, contracts out of my life, people physically trying to kill me, people shooting at me, people stabbing at me. I've been through a lot of pain. And when I came out the last time, um, I got arrested for drug dealing, for weed dealing, and I was facing a long-term prison sentence, which I didn't have to do because I hired a good lawyer, but I was sitting one day and I just sort of had this like white light moment. I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't like a white light moment, but I came to a realization it was very sudden. I guess an epiphany would be the word, but I mean, that's sort of, I don't know if that dilutes it, if it's, if it's big enough so I could describe like the massive shock in my life when I went and something inside of me just said, help people. And the only way I would be able to even take a little bit of the pain away that I'd put in this world so I could live easily and live more clearly and sort of make amends to the world was to help people. And the more I helped people, what I realized is that the better I felt. Because when I think about myself, I don't, when I think about myself, I don't think very well of myself. Like, I find a lot of people, when you get in, like, self-thinking, that inner critic starts really ramping up, like, you're no good, you're never going to make anything, you, you're you short, you're fat, you're too skinny, you're too fat, you're too tall, you're too short, you're never going to meet anybody, you're never going to get that job, but that's not going to work out like that, that mind, when I start thinking about me, I it doesn't end well, but when I think about you, and I'm solely focused on helping you, I'm unable to think about me, to make you my primary objective is to help you.
0: I feel the same way. It's like your—I I feel like your uh, your inner, you know, self doubt is is a loud voice. But if you can kind of push that aside while you're helping someone else, I think that helps you accomplish more too.
1: Now, the term selfless help was born from an observation I made in retrospect, looking back. And I remember there was a, I don't know if you're old enough, but there used to be this place called Borders Bookstores. Oh, yeah. And Borders Bookstores were like everywhere. And I walked into one in L.A. in the late you know, mid and mid, mid, late 90s. And I remember there was a whole section that said self-help. And whether I'd been in bookstores or not, maybe I just maybe have been before, but I'd never noticed it was the first time I was like, self-help? Like there was a big section. It was like a huge chunk of this really busy store and like, everybody was there. And I think as a societal observationalist, I think I just made up that word. <laughs> um, What I noticed is like the people from that era and they have these kids now, and then you get the millennials, and they're like, oh, they're so so, they're so like selfish, and all they do is think of themselves, and blah blah. I'm like, well, all you did when they were growing up was read self help books, and all that is is thinking about yourself, thinking about yourself. I'm going to read this book and think about myself. I'm going to think about and read this book and fix my life by reading a book to think about myself and think about myself and think about self help, self help. And it's like, and everybody who's read self help books knows they have like 40 of them. And they go, oh my God, did you do read that one? No, but you got to read this one too. Like, how much self help can you do? How much focusing, how much more can you focus on yourself? So it created this sort of emotional alchemy in the world where everybody's so focused on themselves, they forget about. The human condition. I I believe if we like historians will look back and go, you know, psychological historians will look back and be like, well, everybody was really selfish, and now in twenty twenty everybody's really divided because all they're thinking of mine, and you're you're wrong, I'm right, I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, and it's all divided because everybody's just thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about the commonality, the humanity between us, which is every time, all the great peaceful indigenous peoples of the land. You know, do they fight each other? Yes. But at the heart of their beliefs, you know, and going back to China and Asia and all over the world, when things were peaceful is when people were like looking for loyalty and brotherhood and love and kindness. And I believe that's what we're meant to be.
0: Absolutely. And I think you channel some of those thoughts into your book. Stop thinking thoughts that scare you. Can you give us both both a little behind the scenes peek of what to expect in that book. And also, can you take us through your writing process as well?
1: I guess I'll sort of combine them for both because, you know, fear plays a large part in our lives. And I know it doesn't mind. And the way it shows up in my life is through procrastination. And procrastination begets lethargy. You know, where I just feel stuck. And that's the term, right? People resonate with people. You just feel stuck. So it's been, I've had an insane life. I've, you know, I've, I was that kid. I was 15 years old. I was at Studio 54 selling cocaine all night. And then I would go to homeroom in high school. You know, like the, the, the parallel, the, the the situation. I'm just that situation. I was like walking into a, you know, homeroom in freshman year of high school with you know, $60,000 of cash in the secret pockets of the black overcoat I had, I would wear everywhere. Um, and I had this, and it got insanely crazy to where people wanted to kill me. And I lived that life that people were like, so for a long time, people were like, you should write a movie, you should write, you should write a movie, you should be a book, you should write a movie book. And I would think about it, but I wouldn't do anything about it. And then about two years ago, I had a friend who was a very successful author. Her name is Kara Alwell at the champagne diet on Instagram. And she's self-published nine Amazon bestsellers. She was like, dude, when are you going to write your book? I'm like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I sat for about a year and I would have these little like starts and stops. I can't type. I can't type to save my life. I'm literally the hunt and pack. I'm like one key after another. So and I think very quickly and I'm great at talking. I could do this all day, but to actually like, and where do you start? Like, how do you write a fucking book? Where do, where do you start? Sorry, can I swear or not? Sure. Swear? Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm, I'm to try not no to, but like, yeah. but like, how do you write a book? I don't know. So I would stop and I would start and I would, I just, I just couldn't get it. You know, my girlfriend would get frustrated with me. Now my ex-girlfriend. Um, and Carol would be like very loving and be like, dude, what do you need? Like, what do you help?" And so it all came to a head. Like all these little mini rough drafts of like three paragraphs, and I was sitting on a dock in a lake last summer, getting on a quarantine getaway with my with one of my best friends, and I was scrolling through Instagram, and this ad came up and said, "Write a book in thirty days," and I was like, "Okay, sure." It's so a hundred dollars. I signed up, and I received an email, and it told me it showed me this guy showed me how to write a book and you know how to like get it done you know start with this and then do this step and he would send you an email like once or twice a week and this is your assignment now and it was really simple and he would you know start with the heading and what's it about the format he would start to break it out now write a little more now write a little more and I would do the best I could typing it and then he said then he said an email said okay now it's the time we've all been waiting for you can get busy writing and I was like, ugh. I don't want to write. I don't want to cut. Like, these are all like typing little, little sentences and like little like two or three sentence things that were like creating this outline. And he said, for those of you that are typing challenged, go look online for people who will do a transcript for you and just use your voice and record it and get it transcribed. And I did that. And that was the very first rough draft of my book. It's had many... You know, iterations and changes and tweaks and stuff. You know, but that was all just polishing and you know, tightening it up and making it to what I wanted to be and making it in my voice and make it sound less drony than me just reading. So you know, you have to you have to write. But I, you know, I think it came out in the end. It's not the longest book in the world. It's really short. It's really simple. It's really easy, and it's a really great book to share because I I I it was something that I've wanted to do forever, and I wanted to do it because I wrote the book. To help people, I wasn't gonna like. Oh, I'm gonna sign a million dollar advance. I, well, I did not care about. The, I knew, do I care about money? Of course, I have bills to pay. But I think I was gonna like have to be rich and famous off of one book? No, so, but I wrote it with a specific intention of helping people. And I've gotten so many texts and emails. And I put my Instagram on the book. I'm like, get a hold of me. And I get people who reach out. They're like, and I put my email address on there. They're like, I've never actually emailed an author before but your book was so powerful in my life and it changes and even friends that i had given advanced copies to they were like oh my god i'm doing the exercises in the book there are a bunch of little exercises to start to build up your to silence your inner critic and make you feel better about yourself and really look at your life through a less judgmental
0: and a more loving lens that's super cool those are the messages that like i think you nailed it of like very few of us are going to make millions of dollars writing a book. But those messages that you get are, I think, I mean, I guess it depends how you value money, but I think they're they're more rewarding because it's like, hey, I've actually made an impact. Whereas, you know, if money comes in, it's like, oh, people are buying this, but like, are they really reading it? Or is it resonating with them? And I think when you see that impact, that's such a a cool thing. And just to go back a little bit to you scrolling Instagram and this ad popping up that spoke to you. I was just talking yesterday with someone about that Instagram algorithm is so good now. It's just like it's reading our minds. It's kind of scary but also like it's helpful.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was it was so funny. I have a backyard with fencing. And I have a woman who I'm very, very two women I'm very close with, and we have like a three-way group text, and it's one of the few group texts I actually participate in because I hate group text messages. And she, she sent me, she sent me this little like ad for these like fake ivy fence covers. And she's like, "What do you think about these?" And I was like, "Oh, not really, not my style. I like the rough wood." And about a day went later, she texts me. She's like, "She's like, oh my god! Now all I'm doing is getting ads for the fake wall coverings, like over and over and over again." I'm like, "That's what happens when you click." Yeah. If you tell them you're even a little bit interested in something, they will bombard you.
0: Yeah, you know what you're getting into. You gotta yeah. be careful out there.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a rough world. Stuff out on the streets of Instagram. <laughs> it truly
0: truly is yeah. now one thing you kind of touched on a little bit is in this concept of self-help selfless help and and helping others the the different types of um ways that can look you know it's not necessarily like hey i'm, I'm giving you money or like hey i'm you know teaching you something but what are um some of the different forms that people can take if, you know, they, they might not be able to write a book to, to share with other people, but like what, what other ways can they, can they serve others?
1: Be kind. Like the tiniest acts of kindness can have the largest resonance and you don't know. And I always use this because it seems that it resonates with so many people is being nice to the people at the coffee shop in the morning like out of your way. Nice. Be like, they always have a name tag and walk up and be like, Hey, Bobby, how you doing? Hey, Marissa, how you doing? Like, what's going on? And then the person that makes your coffee be like, thanks, Stevie. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. Put a cup, maybe, Three dollars in the tip jar, and just be like, be that person that's kindness everywhere you go. Say hello to people, like if you're walking the building, or like like walking past, or you see friends, or be like, hey, how you doing? It. There's somebody you see every day, but you never really acknowledge and be like, hey, how you doing? It. Like acts of kindness don't have to be these overwhelming acts of kindness. If you just start small, and then you can grow, and then when the opportunity comes, you know there are things you can do if you see somebody and they're panhandling. Like I I do this thing called take five, give five on the fifth of every month. Whereas I put five dollars in my pocket and on the fifth, and I encourage, you know, my people and follow me on Instagram to do the same thing. And you just put that five dollars and you just give it to somebody during the day. You can you can drop it on the ground, you know, you can put it in a fucking tin pan coat, you can tip somebody with it. You can just you can leave it on your co-worker's desk and not say anything. Like you just give away five dollars. And the crazy thing is, is that this, this tiny little act that the universe is set up really weird where it reacts, it, it overreacts back to us with love and kindness. So when we act in love and kindness, the universe like goes, okay, shit, I see you and then swarms you. And like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I had, the, and I had when I first started it, I used to put it up and people would like, and I still do, DM me and be like, I did that and then the next thing I know, I walked into work and I got a, I got a $5,000 raise or I got this happen and I, I did a scratch off lottery and I won. It was like, I won $20, you know, it's like, it just, it's energy, energy is real. I mean, you know, Einstein said that his religion was energy because it was real. So when we vibrate at that frequency, when we set our intention and then we follow that intention with action, it creates so much beauty in our lives. And it may not be financial. It may be like, you may be like, oh my God, you walking met somebody like, oh my God, I've never seen that woman or man before, like oh, I'm totally attracted to that just came into my world and you met somebody or you met somebody really cool. My daddy be sexual or just something beautiful always happens. And it just when we act in kindness, it allows us to see the world through a different lens and it allows the universe to see us through a different lens. We align.
0: Yeah, and that's a great note that it doesn't need to be, you know crazy over the top or or anything super complicated and maybe it even goes back to that initial sort of like self-doubt in your mind of like oh is is this enough or like will will this person be like what you know why are they saying my name and talking to me and it's like no like just push this to the side like it's it's the the reward is always worthwhile and and even more so i think than You're usually expecting, which is awesome.
1: Oh, my it's beautiful. It's amazing. The life I have, I'm like in my apartment with my dog and I've got a backyard and I'm like, like, what did I do? Like, you know, it's like that David Byrne, like, this is not my beautiful, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful life. This is not my beautiful dog. Like, like, what is, how is this life? How did I get here? You know, and yet I'm here, you know, against all odds, you know, should be dead. That's probably going to be the second book.
0: <laughs> I already got the title. I like it. I like. All
1: it. right, you're getting a, You're getting a preview here on this podcast. I Love it. I love getting a scoop. <laughs> yeah, you got the scoop. Should be dead.
0: Do you want to give your dog a shout out as well?
1: Oh, my dog Kai. It's amazing. Um, I am a massive advocate for rescue dogs. I rescued my dog. She was from, found her and her litter were found in a field in South Carolina. Um, and the mother had no food or anything. And the dog puppies were emaciated and the mother was emaciated and they were rescued by this wonderful company called hounds and pounds. And, you know, um, I had two dogs uh, a long time ago for 15 years, 15 and 14 years. And I had to put them both down within 30 days and my dogs rescued, my dogs saved me. Um, I was, I had two big dogs. I had a black lab golden retriever and a Rottweiler shepherd. And I was in a very, very dark place. I was not sober um and I was in a really dark place and I watched my dogs they were in the front of my house my apartment in LA it was a ground floor unit and I went and they were just laying in the sun laying out in the front yard and it was a long house and they were just asleep and I sort of like quietly walked back to my bedroom and they wouldn't they've never they when they were slept they just they were like old enough so they just slept you know they were 10 years old and um I sat down in my bed and I put a gun to my head. Like I I, I put it up to my head and out of nowhere, my dogs came running down the hallway and the Rottweiler jumped on my arm, smothering the gun with his body. And the other dog put both of his paws on my forearm, on my chest, as I lay, because lay, I was laying back at this point, because the Rottweiler was so big, it's like 120 pounds. And the other dog just started, put his paws on my shoulders and my face and started just licking my face. Wow. And I was bawling, bawling. And they saved my life. And they, my dog saved my life. So I, I rescue dogs. Adopt, don't shop is my powerful message.
0: Yes. Yes. I I echo that. and like, both both my dogs are rescue dogs too and it's just like you can't imagine life without them like they're no and every day i'm just like they're doing something either like silly goofy just like it's it's so uh they're they're too good for us
1: (laughs) humans can talk about it but dogs dogs are the only ones that i know that will truly teach me what unconditional love looks like Absolutely. It's unconditional. It's absolutely, it's absolutely pure. It's pure love. Yeah. No matter how, and I've loved some people in my life and I still love some people, but they still, you know, like a motherfucker that pissed me off. But like, (laughs) but I still love them. Yeah. You know, but like my dog shows me unconditional love, like every single minute of every day.
0: Oh yeah. The amount of times. That's beautiful. I've accidentally like kicked my dog in the face and he's just like right back to it.
1: Like, Oh Oh my God, I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry for getting oh, my face got, in your way. Sorry,
0: get, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> got my way. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, mine's eight months old. Oh, eight months Mine's uh, eight months old, so oh, she's always goodness. she's always like under my feet and stuff like that. So
0: uh, they're so yeah,
1: they yeah, they're amazing. So
0: wonderful, so wonderful. Yes. And one of the other things I want to touch on is something that I think you you also talk about is and Instagram is a really good example of that. Is you'll see, you know, people. Have the the picture perfect post on Instagram where they've uh, you know carefully curated like everything. We were talking about this beforehand. Like your background right now was was for a, a TV broadcast, so you have it curated with artwork and uh, a signed Derek Jeter jersey behind you, and that's what what a lot of Instagram can be like too. Of like, hey, here's this like perfect image, and then you know if you pan two feet to the right, you see, I uh, just a lot of stuff that you wouldn't put on camera, but you've kind of like tailored it on there. And I think that can lead to people comparing themselves to those other people, too, of like, wait a minute, like, why is their house looking so amazing? And I, I look over, there's like laundry on the couch. And I'm like, but they've got everything so put together, which I think can also be kind of a, a dangerous thing to go down that route. So how can people kind of break from those patterns of comparing themselves to others like that?
1: Well, there's, I have a saying and I think it's in a book. I can't remember. It's in the first book or the second book. It says, when I compare, I lose. And I compare it when I compare, I lose. And when I remember that, some, cause I need things simple. I need simple mantras I can remember. And I got a great story. I'll tell you from two years ago, from two summers ago, obviously not last summer, but the summer before I was sitting at home and I had a friend who's, she's super cool friend, great friend, amazing friend. And both her, both her little sisters are like, massive supermodels and she and her sister and her multi-million dollar father and they're like super fucking rich and her whole family and but she was with all her sisters and her friend their friends these beautiful people in Mykonos and then I had saw like as I was scrolling Instagram like it was that summer like everybody went to Mykonos and I'm like just scrolling these pictures of these beautiful dinners and like sunrise dancing to like music and I was like everything looks so great. And I was like, God, why the fuck am I not in Mykonos? Like why, you know, I'm, I want to be in Mykonos. Like they look at great time that they're having. And then like, I paused like after the end of my, you know, really feeling bad for myself that I'm not in Mykonos partying all hours. And I like started breaking it down. I was like, hold up a second. I'm like, first of all, I fucking hate, I don't do drugs. I hate EDM music. <laughs> I go to sleep at 10 p.m. They're staying up until like 7 a.m. How fucked up on drugs. Like I would have been so annoyed by every moment if I had been in Mykonos. I would have been the grumpy old man being like, get off my lawn, turn off the fucking music, shut up. <laughs> so it's like when we twist ourselves and we think we want things and we have to remember that like none of it's real. Instagram is not reality. And it's like there's fucking filters and faces and everything. And it's like, you know, Are you curating your life? Are you curating your Instagram or are you curating your life? Like I curate my life by bringing good people into it, by bringing people who help, by bringing people I can help into it. That's how I curate my life. I don't, I don't, I don't really have a, I guess I have a brand, but it's not intentional. You know, my brand, my, I changed my Instagram a while ago and really, I really don't put myself up there. And when I do stuff, it's no filters, it's just, or just go black and white, but it's just me. Like, I'm not trying to look good. And I'm just like, I'll just do an IGTV saying like, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is how I'm handling it. And hope that helps somebody. And it's like, you know, when I compare, I lose. And if we just remember that, as soon as we start feeling bad about something, go, hold on, who am I comparing? So and then stop. And if you want, write a gratitude list. Because I'm thinking, I'm counting what I don't have. And I'm not counting what I do have i say I do this as a daily practice every morning because I believe if you live with an attitude of gratitude, it changes everything. It changes the dynamics of your mind when you wake up every morning and you start counting your blessings. I wake up like 10 and 10 30 after I've had a couple of coffees. I have this little app called Gratitude App. And I just write like six or seven, five to seven things that I'm grateful for. And I find that relieves a lot of that comparison because I've got this list of like what I do have in this beautiful, amazing, full life.
0: Yeah. I I think just writing a list in general is so no, helpful. Great idea. I and and again, I I I know you said you're not really a great typist. I typing is like my jam. Like I i love typing, sure. but for lists, I love writing them down cuz there's just yeah. a special feeling of like if you're crossing off a list or you're checking something off of like doing that physically I, on a on a piece of paper is just like so Actile. Yeah, so uh, it's a yeah. feeling
1: of accomplishment. Exactly, it's not ones and zeros. Exactly, it's like actual pen, it's actual ink and pen and paper. Absolutely, so, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you.
0: And one question I like to ask, probably because it's a little less work for me, and I, I have you do some of the work for me, is <laughs> I, a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And for yours, it's how am I feeling? So, Noah, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling good. You know, I've had a I had a good day. I, uh, you know, I was able to, a friend, a, a mute, an acquaintance, I would call him. And, I, and we, we got along very well when we met. We met um, last fall. And we've kept, like, sort of Instagram in touch, like a little DM here or there, a little message here or there. He likes something, I like something. And he was um, he was released from prison two years ago after serving 23 years for wrongful conviction. Wow. And he spent an entire 23 years fighting this conviction and was finally released and got a massive settlement um, from the state of new york and now he's got all the fucking money he can ever have or ever want for the rest of his life but he's miserable so i was able to get on the phone with him and have a session with him about an hour today and I felt good. And I went and I taught a class. And I ran home and I was a little late for this podcast, which frustrates me because I'm the early guy. I'm always <laughs> the guy that's like ready 30 minutes to an hour before everything. So that threw me off. But I picked up a little dinner. Uh, I have a sushi place that's attached to my building Ooh, that's, so i like walk out my
0: that's i walk out my
1: front door <laughs> and it's the, it's literally the same address no it's it's good it's really inexpensive they love me they always give me big pieces so you know and after we get off the phone i'm gonna i'm gonna mow down some sushi and then sit with my sit in bed with my dog and watch some tv
0: fantastic
1: overall it's good how are you <laughs> doing, brother how are you feeling
0: i'm feeling good i'm feeling good it's it's been very nice here in austin uh weather-wise after our, our great winter storm last month uh, it's been just a lot of, of nice spring days so getting out a little bit and similar sort of thing after after we're done recording we'll uh, have some dinner cuddle with my dogs and uh, catch the end of March madness. my bracket is fully in shambles already so it's I, I uh, almost like final... it was my final yeah.
1: My final four is still all together. Oh, yeah? I have all my final four. Yeah, I think the last time I looked, I think my final four is still together. Very nice. So, which is crazy.
0: Very nice. Yes. That's a that's an accomplishment. Not by, <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Super weird. Um didn't I did not have Oral Roberts or Abilene <laughs> Christian. So, you know, but who did?
0: I I actually yeah. did only because living in Austin and I'm sorry, all my Austin uh, fans, you're gonna you're gonna hate me for it, but I, I was just like this just seems like the game Texas would lose. Like living in the um, city, I'm yeah. like this is the type of game. But it was more like I I thought UCLA would win regardless. So it was kind of like a oh, this is just like a shot in the dark type of thing. And then it happened. But man, so I was... went
1: to college in San Marcos. Oh, okay, nice. In 1982 for two years, I was down there, and so I'm very familiar with Austin. I nice. used to be Austin like five to six nights a week. And it was a wild and crazy time because Austin wasn't really like sixth street. I think it's sixth street. Mm-hmm. Sixth street was the main street was just starting to get built up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Someday I'll tell you in an email, the Should I just tell the crazy fucking story? Why not? Right Why not? Should yeah. I okay. do it. So I was living in San Marcos and I was dealing cocaine on this uh, big load, big loads of cocaine from Miami to me and San Marcos. And then I was distributing up to Dallas and so I had these, I was, and, and all other and Houston, I had people going to Houston and all, all across Texas. I had people traveling cocaine and selling my cocaine and I was making a lot of money cash. And I have an ability to spend money that's unparalleled. The more I make, the faster I can spend it. Um, and at one point I had like this closet, this big walk-in closet of this apartment I was living in. And it was filled with boxes, like just boxes of cash. You know, I was still trying to figure out, like, I was going to make this one move. I was going to, like, get a moving truck and, like, take it all to New York and offload it and bury it and hide it and banks and safety deposit boxes and stuff like that. And that eventually didn't work out. But one boy, one boy night, my friend called me. He's was like, hey, I've got these guys with an interesting business opportunity. Are you interested? And I was like, sure. I'm always interested in, like, investing in things like that, you know and he brought over these two guys and they started telling me like listen we think that sixth street's going to be a really big deal and this was 1983 so it was really before it really started happening and we really think sixth street's going to be we have plans for like a restaurant and a bar one with one bar with live music and across the street want to open a restaurant and you know we're looking for investors and I was like sure and I gave them three large boxes of cash and this is my deal I was like pay me back when you can but every, me and everybody I'm with eats and drinks for free forever. <laughs> and they were like, deal. I was fucked up. And I proceeded to get more fucked up that night. And to this day, I have no idea who those many people were. They've got probably half a million dollars for me. And I have no idea. Wow. So I invested in Sixth Street unknowingly and to this day have no idea who they were, or where they went. Uh, they probably owe me about $25 million at this point. <laughs> They're probably like, that guy's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea how fucking crazy I am. So I, I love Austin. I have great fond memories <laughs> of how I'm glad I could help you. A tiny little part of building up Austin.
0: Yeah. You, you helped lay the foundation. I even, I, I wonder what that, what that money went towards. I mean, Probably just some of the some of the places on there, but it'd be it'd be cool to know. But like, like mean it's, uh, yeah. it's nineteen eighty
1: 1980, nineteen eighty three five hundred thousand dollars of the rate of you know, with inflation. That's that was a lot of money, yeah. you know, especially in a place that wasn't expensive back then. Mm-hmm. Five hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty three Texas could buy you real estate, like you could buy a building probably. I don't know, you know, like yeah, it wasn't. Sure. It was like <laughs> you know, it was like you in, it's like if you got it. It's like if you got. I live in you know, I live in Brooklyn. If you got in Williamsburg years ago, twenty five years ago, you made killings, mm-hmm. you know. So who knows? God bless. (laughs) I'm alive.
0: Yes. Yes. That's the most important thing. And you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And with yours, I'm excited for this. Your top three musical artists.
1: I'm not going to go top three best, but I'm going to say the ones that speak to me the most. So I would say Beatles because that was the first album. uh, Abbey Road is the first album that I ever learned as a child how to like flip over and like play each side and the second the b-side of abbey road the the medley still is one of my favorite pieces of music ever um and anything by the beatles um number two would be led zeppelin um because i've led a crazy life i have i have spent time and hung out with all three living members of led zeppelin my wow. like quality time like quality time with them like not like in a group of like 150 people like me and them um page and plant i met when i was working for aerosmith so me steve tyler and joe perry in 97 went to go see page plant and five of us sat down backstage before the show so it's me aerosmith and led zeppelin i'm like and they're like so no tell us about yourself i'm like and all things going through my head was that Sesame Street song like, one of these things is not like the other, (laughs) one of these things does not belong. That would be my two, my two top. My third is a band that just really speaks to me a lot and that's Pearl Jam. And I could name you 20 more bands, but just like a band that really speaks to me, there's just a, a bunch of songs that speak to my heart mm. and speak to my soul big wave given a fly you know like songs like that that i'm just black you know they're songs that just resonate with me melodically and verbally and like the words they use the way they speak um lyrically i'm sorry that's the word i'm looking for they just speak to my soul speak to my heart what are your
0: top three Oh, man. I feel like this changes all the time. I I, I did want to note the one time I've gone to ACL, Austin City Limits, uh, Pearl Jam was the headlining act. And I know in in festival settings, it's sometimes harder to put on a good show just because it's, you know, not that's not the right environment for a show a lot of times but they, I thought they crush it yeah they were fantastic they crush. yeah and it was like you know I had already been in the Sun for like 12 hours that day and I was still just like <laughs> oh man like they're they're bringing it they're keeping me energized it was it was yeah. good stuff um man but again I, I feel like this changes all the time I it's okay. I think I think um similar to you with the Beatles the Beach Boys uh their best of made in USA album is um is the first album i remember listening to uh and just had I uh, yeah lots of fond memories of it the harmonizing the the song arrangements are all just fantastic uh i'll throw the offspring in there since they're coming out with a new album in a few Ooh, weeks Wow, uh, that's the first album i ever bought with my own money was ixnay on the Ombre. um several years after it had come out i had already like my sister had one of their other cds and i was like i want to buy a cd too uh, and so that's uh, yeah, just been a, a band that I think they do a pretty good mix of serious and, and kind of goofy songs, and I think they're very tongue-in-cheek. Um, and their lead singer is a molecular biologist and a pilot and has his own hot sauce, so it's like a a good mix of stuff. Um, and then, oh man, this third one is always... <laughs> let's go i feel like i should go somewhere kind of in the middle of but i guess uh, maybe maybe a newer artist or something but um you know what i'll say the gaslight anthem uh, which mm. is uh, just also they actually also played at that acl <laughs> event um so i guess mm. maybe i'm just i'm just uh, that's on the mind um, but yeah that's just the same type of like the the writing is just so so good and i think there's uh there's definitely like a few songs where i'm like this is kind of cliched but then there's some where i'm just like man you feel the pain of this song like of the protagonist in this and it's just a really um a lot of the songs are really catchy too and, and some great guitar work and drumming and all that um,
1: number uh, number 4 for me would be the great it would be the biggest crushing blow of 2020 was rage against the machine we're gonna get back together mm-hmm. and i was supposed to see them three out of five nights in Madison square Garden. oh no and they're they're a band that like i have there's a visceral reaction in my body when i play rage against the machine that they're so powerful and so epic yeah and i couldn't i've waited 10 years for that reunion tour and i was like no <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> I've waited forever. They wouldn't play together. They wouldn't play together. So I'm hoping in twenty one they come back or do
0: something. Yes. I feel like they have to, right? Like they can't, yeah, they, they can't they, tease they that they and not do me. it. Yeah. They owe me, yeah. Yeah. The amount of shows that got canceled last year that I am hoping come back, but it's yeah. another that's another podcast. It'll be great. That's another,
1: that's another podcast. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, Noah, if people want to learn more about you, want to check out your book or soon to be second book, we got the scoop on it, a TBD uh, release date. Should be now, dead. Right? Yeah. <laughs> should be dead. Should be dead. Where can uh, they find you? Should
1: be dead. Um, they can find me on Instagram at Noah Shaw 26 It's N O A S H A W. It did no H on that um noah Shaw at mac.com if you just want to email me directly you can also just instagram me at dm if you want to buy my book it's on amazon it's called stop thinking thoughts that scare you and also there's a link in my bio on instagram it's available everywhere hopefully uh, you know once pandemic i want to like i want to reach out to like local bookstores and stuff like that and really start supporting so hopefully by at some point it'll be in the bookstore so but Grab it. Awesome. Leave a review. Yes. Thank you.
0: Good stuff. Thank knowing. you for having me on, brother. Yeah. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, thanks. This is great. Thanks so much. Always always a fun time chatting and, and lots of good stuff on this one. Great. And of course I gotta I gotta wrap up with a corny joke. I as as we often do. Uh what's a motivational speaker's most common blood type? What? Be positive. Good afternoon today, people. <laughs>
1: You've got, are you a dad? Are you, cause you got the dad jokes. There. I'm
0: not, but I've, I've been told that so you're, you're a dog prepped. dad. I'm so. <laughs> hey, you got
1: the dad. You got the, I got, I have what I call 57. So I tell people, they're like, "Do you have a dad bod. And I'm like, no, I have a granddad bod because <laughs> <laughs> I'm old enough to be a grandfather. So let's just be real
0: about that. <laughs>